Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Yes, this is a pre-recorded episode, but uh, the reason we are doing that is because we have a very special guest. I have Dusty, I have Sarah. Don't care about them, but Matt Schneidman joining us uh, is a like what? What is this now? Like semi-traditional. Semi-annual? I don't even know what the hell we call I, it. I would say it's annual. Annual now? Okay. Yeah. I like that. I like that. We're officially booked every single year, which is really, really cool. How are you doing? Uh, how are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. You know, what is it? It's. Uh, I'm looking at the watch I don't have. It's 22 days till the shareholders meeting and then 24, 25 until the first practice of training camp. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for some football. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did. I did skip over Dusty and Sarah. I guess we can get to them as well. Dusty, how you doing? It's not important, but I'm fine. I'm fine, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for asking. I appreciate yeah. it. You know, it's my job. It's my job to at least check in with you guys. Sure, uh, sure. Sarah, Sarah's like voice is going in and out, but. Let's see. Is she cracking today? Is it puberty? I think I'm all right right now. No, it's not puberty. I'm well past that. Thanks, Steve. Uh, (laughs) No, I have bronchitis, so I'm going to be on mute a lot of this episode besides my questions for Matt. But other than that, I'm doing fine. I'm happy I don't have to work the next couple of days. That's great. Um, Or I guess when everyone's listening, I haven't been working, which is awesome. (laughs) Um, But other than that, I'm good. Very cool. Uh, Matt, we just want to kind of want to check in. How's, uh, how's life in green Bay during the summer without football? Uh, uneventful. I'll say that <laughs> I've always compared green Bay to Syracuse in the fact that there's one reason, well, it, people might get insulted at me saying this, but the main reason people live here is for the Packers. And there's a lot of other reasons, but like, it's a small town that goes crazy during football and, and Syracuse's case, college basketball season. And, in all other months of the year, it's kind of slow, uh, more uneventful, I should say. Um, but yeah, it like I said, I'm ready for some football. It's wedding season for me, not for myself, for some college friends this this summer. So I'll be getting out of town a little bit over the next couple weeks. But the weather's great. It has been a little smoky, 
the last week or so, but um, just a bit, just a bit. <laughs> your your typical Green Bay summer, nice okay. weather, but uh, people I think itching for football to come back. And as we'll get into, a lot of intrigue, more so than I would say in recent memory about this upcoming season. Okay, I'm very intrigued. So, with all the Rodgers stuff that's gone on the past couple of seasons, do you really, you really think there's more intrigue this off season than the last couple of years? I would say just because of the unknown. Uh, I think the past couple of years it's been optimism about let's go win a Super Bowl because they've been so close. This year, I think fans have diminished expectations as they should, Um, and it's more of. Let's just go along for the ride. Let's see what we have here because we have no idea how this team is going to be. This could be a 10-7 and team, which if we get into record predictions, that's what I think they're going to finish. But um, (laughs) yeah, I know. Okay. I I think there is definitely a lot of intrigue just because of the quarterback position. They don't know what to expect. In the last 10, 15 years, they've known what to expect there, and it's more – the intrigue to get the season going because is this going to be the year we we win a Super Bowl? Um, but there's intrigue for different reasons this year, which in some cases is even better for someone like me who has to cover it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna start with some round round robin questions, and uh, Sarah's gonna provide one of the the hardest hitting ones just right out of the gate. So let's go. Okay, so not to go back in the past, but. I have to know. And if you can't answer this. this Let's go back in the past. I'll I'll, (laughs) I'll answer as best I can. (laughs) When you wrote that feature piece on Rogers and his decision and all the process, which was great. Did he call you or FaceTime you? He called me. Um, So what happened? So I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain. And so when I went to his press conference in Florham Park a couple months ago, my objective was, you know, show some face. I knew I was going to be writing this story eventually. I thought if I show face, talk to him on the side there, let him know I'm writing the story, he'll be more likely to talk to me for it down the road. I didn't know if that was going to be me going to Jets OTAs or minicamp to talk to him in person, whatever. Um, I didn't really have high hopes that he would eventually talk to me for it. But when I went to Florham Park, I asked the question that got the FaceTime answer. And I thought he was kind of joking. I thought he was being sarcastic, but he was just like a cop-out answer. It's like, everyone knows I'm lying, but I'm just going to try and make people laugh. And then I talked to him a little bit after the presser. And then a couple months later, so the, the way I've communicated with him over the years is Twitter DM, because I wrote a story, I think, in early 2020 during COVID I spoke with about a dozen of the small businesses he, you know, quite literally saved in Northern California um, through his his COVID small business fund. And after I wrote that story, I did not talk to him for that story. But uh, after I wrote that story, he DM'd me on Twitter uh, with a message, you know, thanking me for writing that story, how much those people mean to him that I spoke to. And he never follows me, still doesn't. But I was able to always message him because he messaged me first on Twitter. And so that's how I reached out to him. Now, what was it? You know, I, the story came out May 31st. So I reached out to him probably 10 days prior to that. Um, said, here's what I'm writing. As I mentioned to you when I came to Florham Park, you know, I've heard some stuff from the Packers side that I think you're going to want to respond to. Want to get your side because, you know, my objective here, and I think he knows this by, you know, getting to know me over the last four years is, 
my opinion on whoever's telling the truth, what actually happened doesn't matter. It's about telling both sides of the story and getting out of the way as the writer. So I explained that to him and he got back to me in about three hours, not on FaceTime. He messaged me back and said, yeah, I'll talk. We went back and forth for a couple of days. I was trying to set up a time. He said he would give me a call and then he went to Taylor Swift the first time. And then I think it was the Saturday afternoon before he went to the second Taylor Swift. I get a call from a random California number and I picked up and it was him and we talked for about 30, 35 minutes and he was serious about the FaceTime thing, but I will say he, his point is you have to FaceTime him when he's in California because that's where the ser- the bad service is. He was still in, he was New, in York, New York, Jersey yeah. when I talked to him. Interesting. So, wow. yeah, that's how that went down. Mm-hmm. He didn't hold up the phone at the Taylor Swift concert and let you hear a song. He didn't He didn't do that. He waited. I, until I don't like Taylor Swift at all, so I'm glad he did. Oh, <laughs> man. Sorry. Sorry. That's I mean, like the, the breaking news from this bombshell. Yeah, yeah, all right. We're done. Yeah, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fascinating. We had, a, we had a thousand questions about that. That's awesome, dude. Um, I'm not going to ask about the quarterback. I'm going to ask a wide receiver. I'm going to ask about Romeo Dobbs because uh, he's been getting a ton of pubs so far this year. Love's been looking for him a lot. He's been the standout in a lot of camps. Seems like a lot of targets are going his way. And he was kind of a darling last year mm-hmm. and did not do great during the year, I guess. I mean, he started out fine, got injured, came back not fine. He ranked fairly low as far as DVOA, DYR, all that stuff. He had some things to improve on. Does it When he came back, does it look like he has worked on his game at all in the offseason? Like I guess, is this a flash in the pan training camp thing or do you see things from him that we think you could we can project into a bigger role for him this year yeah i think you know everyone has including myself included has kind of thrown the wide receiver one label on christian watson just because we saw his big playability i've said all along i think romeo dobbs leads this team in catches because yeah christian watson's kind of the boomer bust guy you know the big play guy who can do other stuff but Romeo Dobbs is more of a a surefire thing. Now, I know there's a sense, I think, inside the building that he just wasn't the same after that injury. If they get a healthy Romeo Dobbs, I think they have something there. And and I said last year that if they stay healthy, knock on wood, I think Watson and Dobbs could be uh, a pretty dynamic one-two punch for the next five years at least. Um, But Dobbs, yeah, he's, he's a really good route runner. His hands are probably the the biggest question, but you can tell just from watching practice that Jordan Love trusts him already. I can see him becoming kind of that, you know, I don't want to say bailout option, but when all else fails, look for Romeo that Devontae was for Aaron. I could see Romeo being that guy for Jordan Love. Jordan has already spoken about, you know, the trust he has with him, uh, the rapport he has with him. I think Romeo went out to... California this offseason along with Aaron Jones to throw with mm-hmm. Jordan a little bit so there's already a rapport there and yeah I think he leads the team in catches this year and and who knows we could be sitting here week four and, and Christian Watson could still be playing well but we could say you know Romeo Dobbs is the number one guy yeah I think Dusty's got the the prediction that uh that Christian Watson's gonna lead the league in the yardage right but oh okay that was a uh I think we had we had to throw <laughs> like an bold, early hot take and I was like right, let's, let's do it man let's shoot the moon <laughs> uh but I, speaking of Jordan Love you've been watching him for the last three plus years and practices and preseason games everything in between how do you think this year goes for him 
Yeah, I, I've said this offseason that I think the goal for him this year should be to prove that he is not a liability, meaning like he's not going to go out there and maybe for one, two, three games, he's the reason the Packers win games. You know, so many times over the years, Aaron Rodgers was the reason they won games. If he can go out there and prove he's not the reason they lose games, I think they come out of this year feeling pretty good. You know, th- this is most likely going to be a two-year trial period to prove that he's the guy in the long term going forward. I think he's going to be a little bit better than what people think. Nothing too extraordinary, but I think that's because the Packers are going to tailor their offense and tailor their team as a whole around you know trying to win in different ways. Now, I sat here on this show last year with you three and said, oh, this year's Packers team could win win in different ways if they have young receivers you know Rodgers doesn't have to win with 350 passing yards every game they can run the ball and play good defense that didn't happen so I think that's obviously more the case this year and I'm not saying Rodgers hijacked stuff I'm sure at times he overruled LaFleur in terms of changing stuff at the line of scrimmage but um, I doubt Jordan Love's going to do that anywhere near as much and I think LaFleur is going to tailor things running game first then passing game um, which probably should have been the case last year as well. And then I think the pass rush is going to have to come up big. And I'm sure we'll get into Rashawn Gary talk in a little bit, but I think Jordan Love, his spiral has been a lot tighter. I think there's been a slow progression over the years of him throwing a lot better spiral. It's always tough, and you guys know this, during offseason because Jordan said it himself. There could be a play where Matt LaFleur says, Jordan, I don't care who's open on this play. I want you to throw a 50-50 go ball to Christian down the sideline because I want to see how he's progressing with his, you know, contested catchability because now is the time when you try that stuff and take risks. Us dumbasses sitting on the sideline could be, why the hell did he throw that? You know, (laughs) that's a bad decision when Luke Musgrave was wide open over the middle. Jordan Love, tweet, Jordan Love's not doing well. And, you know, Cheesehead TV quote tweets, uh oh, I'm just kidding. But you, you know what I'm saying. Like, there's so many overreactions that come out of camp, but there's so much more to kind of the scripts they put these guys through and the call it periods. And you know, if he throws an interception in the off season, it, it, Lafleur could like that because he might want Jordan to take that risk. But I think we're going to see a lot more dialed down version of things in the regular season. They're not going to put too much on his plate. And as long as he can be a solid game manager who doesn't make back-breaking mistakes, which I think he will be, and then some, I think the Packers will like what they have going forward. Interesting. I mean, I'm happy to hear that. I've kind of had the same opinion. Like, he just needs to be somebody that they can rely on and that, yeah. like you said, doesn't lose a game or and just can be consistent. Um, and that I think that will take time, but I'm looking forward to seeing how it all goes. Uh, I'm curious, two-part question – who or what surprised you most about the Packers last season? And then looking ahead, who or what do you predict will surprise you most this season? What surprised me most last season was probably how bad Eric Stokes was before his injury. Um, He was really, really good as a rookie. And then he just looked lost before uh, that, well, I guess two injuries that he had in that Detroit game. And now he's in a spot where, even when he comes back healthy, he's probably starting on the bench. This is their 2021 first round pick who, you know, replaced Kevin King as a starter, I think two, three weeks into his rookie year. So that surprised me last year. Uh, luckily the Packers have 
solid depth at cornerback. Granted, they weren't as consistent as they needed to be last year, but look, we, we know the kind of ball hawk Rasul is. We know Jair is a bona fide number one shutdown corner, and they seem to really like Keyshawn Nixon in the slot. So um, if they can keep those three guys healthy, they don't need Eric Stokes yet, but that seems like a position that's due for a bounce back um, and and has some nice depth. What I think will surprise me this year that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say I think people are going to be surprised that they've taken a blocking tight end for granted the past five years. I think they're not going to, but I really do think they need to re-sign Mercedes Lewis. Now, people out there, oh, you know, you have five really good offensive linemen. You have two new tight ends. Yes, but... Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave are pass catchers. They're athletic freaks just from seeing them run on the field, you know, again, even against no defenders, just how they move. It's unlike what Packer fans have seen since maybe Jermichael Finley around here. You know, they, we've tried the this thing with Robert Tunyon and Jimmy Graham and Tunyon, really good hands, but nobody built like these two guys who can run and move like these two guys. But the unsung hero of the Packers offense arguably the past half decade has been Mercedes Lewis because of how good he is blocking. And he's an immense part of the run game, not to mention what he does in the locker room. And I think he would just be perfect for these two young tight ends. You know, Josiah DeGuar is the most experienced guy in that room. And I was talking about kind of leaning on the run game earlier. Mercedes Lewis is a huge part of that. And having him as kind of a bridge during this transition. I know this offseason was about getting rid of like Rogers buddies and, and all the old guys, except for Bakhtiari. But I think there's a case for, for keeping Mercedes Lewis. And I think something that might surprise me this year, whether it's because the running game isn't, you know, working well on, on the edge, or if, you know, Kraft and Musgrave, one of them gets hurt or they're not great blocking I think people are going to say, oh, I, I wish we had Mercedes Lewis. And I, I find it hard to believe that we get to week one and he is still unemployed. So if the Packers don't pick him up, which, again, I, I don't think they will, um, I would be surprised if another team didn't because I know he still wants to play and he brings tremendous value. One more season and he sets the all-time record for most ever by a tight end. Make sure you're, you're, you're careful with your Josiah DeGuara slander around Justin. <laughs> <laughs> just, just making sure. Just making it, sure. It wasn't slander. I was just pointing out that a guy in his—that's uh, the most experienced I did. I get it. Fourth year is the most experienced I did. I said nothing Bay, about his skill mean? set. <laughs> words in my mouth. Uh, so I, was gonna I just said, to, "Be careful, man." I just yeah. said, "Be careful." Tread, tread lightly is all. Uh, it's funny because I've been—I was watching a whole bunch of like low red zone snaps from the Packers this past year for reasons. Um, it was shocked at how many times like you're watching and just Mercedes Lewis stand up a defensive end on the end, and that's the side they run to. Like, yeah. just it's one of those where I was like, "That's a, that they're just you got to bring a six offensive lineman out in that case if you want to run some of that same stuff that you do with Lewis." And then even then, you're probably not getting some of the same production they were on his side. And how many times? Well probably only two times that I can count, but do you run a, a bootleg or a play action in the red zone? And there's nobody within 10 yards of Mercedes Lewis. And I remember after they played the dolphins uh, in week 16, it was, and he had one of those plays where he was wide mm -hmm. open for a touchdown. 
And I asked him in the locker room after the game, you know, when are teams going to start guarding you on that? And he goes, they're not going to because I'm so intentional with the way I block that that's just all people think I'm going to be doing. And the way I line up before the play and the way I go about my business, nobody's going to ever think I'm leaking out for a pass. And they're not going to devote resources to, you know, guarding Mercedes Lewis in the passing game when you have Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and two athletic pass catching tight ends. So it's not a big, well, it's, it's a big part of the offense, but it's not the biggest part of the offense, but it's something that can help this red zone. It was, the red zone offense was terrible last year, mm-hmm. mainly because they didn't have, you know, the best red zone receiver on planet earth, but having Mercedes Lewis, like you said, Dusty certainly helps things down there. And I think um, his loss is probably more than I hate doing this people are making out of it. I hate just generalizing like more than people are saying when I'm mm-hmm. not like, I'm not even saying, Oh, who's saying that? I oh, just think there are going to be people like who it. say, like <laughs> Oh, we could use Mercedes Lewis right now. That's something Aaron Rodgers always hated. If you ever phrased a question to Aaron Rodgers, like, you know, people are saying, or, you know, <laughs> this is what people think. He's like, he would ask you, he'd be like, who said that? Who's thinking what that? people? Yeah, what people? Because he thinks that's I'm smarter he, than that person. Why would they ask that? Question? That's the reporter's way of, you know, getting their own belief sure. across without saying it's what they think. I'm gonna stick on tight end room for a second because uh, the, the 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 man flying under the radar, we'll call him, is Tyler Davis. Uh, because at best, Tyler Davis, I think, can be described as fine, just kind of fine. But he's yeah. one of the vets now. Like I said, Deguara is the the guy there right now. Tyler Davis at what one year service time in Green Bay is the second guy in line. And we know that tight ends take a little bit to come along from the rookie stuff. So what do you do you see him? Because I think his role diminished as the year went on. I think he did like 20 plus percent of snaps through the first seven mm-hmm. weeks and then once after that, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, do you see his role being different as they kind of bring these guys along? Or do you think the, the rookie tight ends are going to see more of the field right away and Tyler Davis is still going to be that kind of tight end three, tight end four type of role? Yeah, I, I don't see him playing over Musgrave or Kraft, um, especially in passing situations. And I haven't seen much from him as a blocker to warrant him being there, you know, in that regard either. If you saw me typing, it's because I was looking up Packers snap counts from last season. The reason he's on the team is because he led the team by significant margin in the percentage of special team snaps played. He played over 80%. Dallin Levitt was next at 72. Isaiah McDuffie was third at 61.45. So this offseason, and I remember I asked Keyshawn Nixon early this offseason about, you know, what he thought about pretty much the entire special teams core coming back. And Keyshawn said when he signed his new deal, he went to Rich Passaccia and said, I want our entire punt team back. I wanted like, I, I forget if he said our entire punt team, our entire special team score, you know, they obviously, they made the most notable move of the entire NFL offseason in trading Aaron Rodgers. But outside that, their biggest move was re-signing their all pro kicker turner. They didn't make many splashes, but I think it it's flying a little bit under the radar that, they kept together the entire core of a vastly improved special teams unit. Levitt, Eric Wilson, uh, Isaiah McDuffie was already under contract. You know, Tyler Davis, uh, Rudy Ford, Nixon. That's that's big, especially going year one to year two with Rich Bisaccia. You don't want to erase the progress you made. And my point being, Tyler Davis is a huge part of that. Even if he's not, you know, tight end one, two, or three on offense, guys at the fourth depth chart spot at multiple positions 
are there because special teams, inside linebacker, you know, fifth edge rusher, third running back. Those guys make the team because of special teams, and Tyler Davis is going to make this team as the fourth tight end because of what he can do on teams. Hey, everybody. Here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game, and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses, and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly, and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them, and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so I think I already have an idea of what the answer to this is going to be because of a previous uh, statement, but what do you believe is closer to reality for the Packers this year? That they're going to be unbelievably horrible and get the number one pick or that they will make the playoffs this year? I think they make the playoffs. I, I said I think they go 10-7. and seven. I think the – and here's why. I think finally they're going to lean on the run game. Like I said earlier, yes, they they leaned on Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon in their offensive line, but you don't have a quarterback that can do it all anymore. So I think they're really going to embrace that as their identity. Um, and you have a quarterback who's – listen, I don't know all the changes Aaron Rodgers made. I'm just spitballing here. I'm guessing there were – more plays he changed out of two passes than two runs. Um, and Jordan a lot. Love, it seemed like a lot. Yeah. And, and I don't know if Jordan Love's going to do that. So listen, you can make the argument that they have the best running back tandem in the league. Now that Zeke and Tony Pollard are broken up. Um, and I think again, knock on wood, this offensive line was, I believe fifth in pass block win rate 
uh, ESPN analytics, that stat an eighth in run block win rate and the best left side of an offensive line in the national football league took like half a season to get healthy and then weren't even on the field together because the best left tackle in football when healthy had an emergency appendectomy. So I, I think if they can stay healthy on the offensive line, which is a big if with this team, I think they can have a dominant running game and that can lead them to wins. They don't need Jordan Love to be superhuman like they've needed Aaron Rodgers to be. And then the key on defense is Rashawn Gary. I mean, Joe Barry's on the hot seat more than anyone else in that building. And I think Rashawn Gary is the key to him keeping his job because one of my most telling stats from last season is not only did Rashawn Gary rank second in the entire NFL in percentage of pass rush snaps resulting in a pressure among guys with at least 100 over the first eight games. So basically, in layman's terms, you know, regular edge rushers in the first eight weeks of the season, the only player with a higher pressure percentage than Rashawn Gary was Nick Bosa. The Packers as a team ranked second in the NFL in pressure percentage from weeks one to eight or from weeks one to nine, I should say. Gary tears his ACL week nine. From weeks 10 to 18, they rank 28th. They have no pass rush besides Rashawn Gary or had no pass rush. They need Preston Smith to pick it up. You know, Anagberry, Justin Hollins, they're serviceable. The big question mark is how Lucas Van Ness is used because we know this team likes to bring along edge rushers slowly. We saw it with Rashawn Gary. Lucas Van Ness is running with the third team against guys who aren't going to make this team in camp. So I don't think that's a, a sign of his lack of progress. I think it's just more how they treat guys at this position. But my point being, if Rashawn Gary is healthy and back to his normal self, I think this team goes 10-7, and seven, makes the playoffs because of their pass rush and their running game. Forget the 24-year-old quarterback who's never been a full-time starter. I know that's what everyone's focusing on, but the Packers aren't a team with a first-time starter who has, you know, jack shit around them. Like, there are a lot of other teams. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here. Uh, they have a really good roster around yeah, them. Yeah, you're all, And I think they're going to embrace that. You can draw. We we draw the line at the f bomb. That's that's okay. where we don't go. So you're, but, he, but then even then, I drop a slide whistle in. Yeah, and we're, we got and slide we're good. We're good. I'm, I'm allowed. I'm allowed. I don't want to make any more extra work for you. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, Dusty we got until Wednesday like to put this edit. out. I got he, all sorts really of time does. now. Okay. But yeah, ten and seven playoffs. Okay. Lock it okay. in. I love it. Um, so ten and seven, not a terribly difficult schedule. There's a few no. games here and there. What game? What away game are you looking forward to most this season? And it could be for any reason, because you want to travel there or just because the matchup is intriguing. Yeah, so I'm going to tell a quick story that I don't believe I've ever told publicly. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to, but I don't really care at this point. <laughs> Love it. Let's break some news here. Easily. I, I won't get into too many specifics. Book, bookmark this point right here. Right. This will be like the clip that goes out publicly. Um, week five, easy. Vegas, and not only to see Jair Alexander versus Devontae Adams, but listen, there was nobody I enjoyed dealing with more as a reporter in my three years from 2019 to 2021 than Devontae. He, there's a reason we gave him the Media Good Guy Award every freaking time we could because he's just incredible with reporters. Um, and in the 2021 season, when I wrote that big feature on him, I talked to his mom for about 45 minutes and then sat down with Devontae for 30 minutes. And he, um, he, he was very 
open and welcoming and, and kind about that story. Um, and I thought it turned out well. And, and him and I had a, I think, you know, I, I never, I'm, I'm not friends with any of these guys, but I, I like to think of it. My saying is always, you can be friendly with them, but you can't be friends because that's when you cross the line of objectivity. I thought I had a, a pretty solid working relationship with Devonte for the brief time I cover the team. Um, then after the season, after he got traded, I reached out to him and I was going out to my best friend's bachelor party in Vegas in June of last year and texted him, Devonte that is, and asked if I could, you know, spend a day with him. Do what's life like for Devonte Adams now in the Sin City after eight years in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And he very respectfully got back to me and said, you know, you know, appreciate you. Thanks for reaching out. Hope you're doing well. I just want to move on. Totally respected that. And then without getting into specifics, uh, he was, I, I heard that he was not a fan in the slightest of something I tweeted. It was before week two last season. It was when the Raiders blew a 20 nothing lead to the Cardinals and lost that game. Devontae had two receptions in that game. And I tweeted, I was sitting in the press box before the Packers played the Bears and tweeted, um, Devontae only had two catches. Last time he had two catches in a game. And I looked it up. I was sitting next to Rob Domofsky and I was like, I'm going to look this up. I just thought it was interesting. Like Devontae only had two catches. Last time was week seven of the 2017 season with Brett Hundley at quarterback. Now, if it was 2020 or 2019, even whatever, I, I wouldn't have said anything. But it was, you know, five, six years ago with the backup quarterback. I wasn't tweeting it to say, oh, Devontae shouldn't have gone. I know there was a lot of that on his plate and he didn't like any of that talk. It was more of me saying, what are the Raiders doing? They have the best receiver in the league. Why are they using him like this? Um, Devontae did not like that I tweeted that in the slightest. And we have not talked since. And I was planning to go out to Vegas a couple days early before that game, before the Monday night game, and try and chat with him at his locker for a story maybe. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So. Week five is the one I'm looking forward to most. But yes, very favorable first half of the schedule, at least on paper. No teams that made the playoffs last year until the Vikings in week eight, I believe. So there's a chance the Packers could uh, pad their sched pad their record with some wins early on. I want to go back slightly to something you mentioned earlier, Joe Barry being on the hot seat. Something uh, uh, frankly shocked me that you said that, Matt. On the hot Joe Barry on the hot seat. Land's alive. I can't. I can't believe it. Is that um, for real? Is that for real? Like, can we all for, like hope and pray for that? The, the Joe Barry. Um. Well, so I mean, the question I have is, it's. I say, like, how long do you think his leash is going to be? And not, and not so much they're going to fire him in season because I don't, I, I don't see a scenario where that happens. Neither do I. But in terms of uh, the Packers, made a big change defensively last year after the buy, and it was a late buy. They went from mainly quarter single high to like straight cover two, and then they're they're defense performed much better after that. And we've seen instances of LaFleur in game going up to Joe Barry and telling him, you need to stop doing that. Like we need to do this. They remember the Lions game where he's like, you got to send pressure. They're killing us. They've got a relatively early buy this year, say week six. How long is that Barry leash? Should they kind of let him kind of do his thing? And if things aren't going well, they make changes defensively at that point, or do you think it is potentially week one, week two, if things are working, LaFleur says, listen, you have to change this from what we're doing. Yeah. I, I think one of Matt LaFleur's flaws as a coach is he's 
too loyal and he, you know, trusts his guys and, and delegates responsibilities to his guys. And I'm not saying he's not, you know, affirmative or whatever, but, and, and again, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but for example, week one last year, when Jair Alexander says he's asking all week to follow Justin Jefferson and Joe Barry says, no, that's when Matt LaFleur needs to step in and say, no, we, Jair is following Justin Jefferson. Um, the reason I say I think the leash is a season long and not six weeks long, not just in terms of job security, but in terms of like, do this is because of that. I think Matt LaFleur trusts his guys. If he didn't, he, he wouldn't have jobs. Um, you know, as far as schematic changes, who knows with this guy, like, what was it? There was a, it was the fourth and I think it was the fourth and two that ended their season against the lions and guys are playing like eight yards off the line of scrimmage and, and they have an easy play to end the Packers season. Like what, I'm, there, there's reasons to everything they do, but just from a, you know, casual viewer, it's like, what the hell is going on? Like a, a casual viewer can see how they defended Justin Jefferson the first time, how they defended him the second time works like a charm. I understand it's not that simple. And I understand there's a lot of nuance to what he does. You know, they watch tons of film that, you know, maybe we don't always see. But when I say Joe Barry's on the hot seat, if the Packers defense, and I don't think it needs to be if they don't rank this, if they don't get this pressure percentage. But if they're like what they were last year, that falls on the coach. We know that Devondre Campbell and Quay Walker and Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary and Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas can perform at all pro caliber levels, most of those guys that I just named, it's on the coach to put it all together pretty much. And sure, it's still a little bit on the players, but you know, you can't fire the players, so you fire the coach. And LaFleur did not really like, I think it was after week eight last season against the Bills when I asked him, you know, about Joe Barry's job security, because we're going on two years now of them looking like the worst defense in the league for half the season and them looking like a top five defense for the mm -hmm. other half. It's a coach's job to get that straightened out. And if that same kind of roller coaster ride happens for a third season, he has to be gone. And I understand why LaFleur hasn't fired him yet because what defensive coordinator is going to want to take this job if there's such little job security, you know, firing Mike Pett. I understand Mike Pettin wasn't his guy, but Pettin didn't have the longest leash. Now, if, Joe, if he fires Joe Barry last season – you know, what's one and a half seasons? Granted, there are only 32 DC jobs in the NFL. Someone's going to take it. But if you really want to attract a good attract a good DC, that DC has to believe they have some job security. So I think that's also probably part of the reason LaFleur has stuck with them this far. But if we get to week eight and the Packers are, when's their bye this year? Uh, week six bye, is right? their bye this week. Week six is their bye. Yeah, yeah. So if they get to halfway through the season and they're three and six, and the defense is, you know, bottom third in the league, that seat is going to really heat up because now is the time when it's not too soon to fire him. And it's also like, all right, you got to get your stuff together. You have eight first rounders on this defense. Make it work. I mean, no offense, man. You're not making me feel great about the defense. <laughs> I think they're going to be fine. I'm just saying if they're not. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, what's the thing that you are most intrigued about with this upcoming upcoming training camp? Like what's the storyline? What's the position battle? Anything that's really catching your eye this time for training camp? Because we don't have Aaron Rodgers, which yeah. is fine with everybody. But what what's the thing that's really like popping to you? 
You know, I put together the, the my way too early 53-man projection, and in terms of roster, like, position battles, there aren't really any that I'm like, ooh, that starting spot's up for grabs. Like, let's go through them. Quarterback, starter's there. Running back, the first two guys. Receiver, like, wide receiver three is going to be a competition. That's interesting, I guess. Tight end, first two guys are the rookies. Uh, offensive line, the, the starting five at least based on how they lined up in offseason, Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, and Tom with Yash and Newman as six and seven, and probably Caleb Jones as eight. Um, the edge rushers, Gary, you know, I, I guess my biggest storyline is, can is Rashawn Gary going to participate in training camp at all? Um, you know, the defensive line, Clark, Slayton, and Wyatt, the two middle linebackers, Preston Smith, Hollins and Agberry until Gary gets back and then Ford and Savage and Alexander Douglas and Nixon. Like there, there are no real, like, Ooh, this starting spots up for grabs. Has there been I any word? Has there been any word on Gary? No. I mean, we talked to him the last day of minicamp and he didn't give us anything, but right. just looking at timelines, Elton Jenkins tore his ACL in week 11 of the 2020 season and was back by week two of the 2021 season. And the only reason he didn't play in week one I'm assuming is because it was on that same Minnesota turf that he tore his ACL on. Um, so Rashawn Gary tore his ACL week nine, two weeks before a guy who is a significantly bigger build than him. I would imagine Rashawn Gary ranks right up there in the entire league of guys who can come back quicker than expected from an ACL. Yeah. We know the timeline in green Bay is like minimum 10 months before you're cleared. But if Elton Jenkins can get on the field in week two, after a week 11 torn ACL, why can't Rashawn Gary get on the field week one for a week nine torn ACL? That's why I say training camp. Cause I want to, he's probably going to start training camp on the pup list. Sure. But I would not be surprised if it's pretty soon thereafter where he's cleared. Now could be the same deal. Do you want Rashawn Gary playing on the so- soldier field surface? His first game back from a torn ACL? Probably not. <laughs> but at the same time, he's, I would argue the most important player on this team this year. And that's why that's my most important storyline is if he's, if he's destroying Justin Fields, then yeah, I do want him on the yeah. field. <laughs> not, it's not a position battle that I'll be watching closest. Cause I've been watching Gary on the side throughout the off season. And he looks like a man possessed. He's like angry going through the agility ladder. And, and I've had people come up to me being like, this dude is going to wreck shit this year. And I honestly think if, if they can get him a couple weeks of camp, there's no reason that he can't be on the field week one. Steve, you look like you have something to say about that. No, I'm just, I'm unbelievably happy to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's, that's, that's great news to hear as any, as a Packers fan. Like I'm intrigued by Lucas Van Ness, but man, the pass rush without Rashawn Gary, like Matt just said, like it's been, it was horrible. And so getting him, if he could be back ready to go week one, hopefully, and then, you know, with the rest of the guys around, that'd be awesome. But, you know, I'm, I'm apprehensive. It sounds awesome. But, you know, the Packers are very, very tentative with ACL injuries. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, Matt, my last question is, you've been on the beat a few years now. What's the craziest story that you can tell us? Oh, that's a good question. I got to think about that one. The craziest story. Also, are there ones that legally you cannot tell us? 
Probably. Like I probably shouldn't have said the Devontae thing, but it's like two years down the line and I'm and he said publicly, like Devontae essentially without naming me, called me out in a press conference the next week when he said he was tired of the comparisons from Green Bay people. And that was a couple of days after I had tweeted that. So um the craziest story, I'd have to think about that. I, I want to give you a good answer. I don't want to just have like a a, a cop out answer. Um, and I don't want to, because th- if I just tell a story without thinking through it, I'm probably going to say something I shouldn't and, you know, <laughs> make someone angry by throwing them under the bus in some regard or reveal something I shouldn't. So how about, can we, can we circle back? We'll give you a yes. little rest of the yeah, podcast to think back. about it. And then Dusty can ask his next one. Yeah, I'll, so I'll, we'll go from that to a very boring question. I got questions about the RB3 battle here, yeah, Matt. No, Last I, year they did – uh, yeah, we can do that. Uh, that will ease you into the crazy. Uh, <laughs> I think they carried two all year, right? And then they they brought the, the practice squad stuff and they brought up uh, Patrick Taylor. I think mainly elevated him game day, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Tyler Goodson's been making a little bit of noise. Uh, I, know, I know Patrick Taylor's still there. I'm, I'm hyped about Goodson. Is there a path for, and I've not made a 53 yet in terms of see how everything else shakes out. Would you like to see that as far as like where the distribution is? Is there a path for a guy like Goodson or an RB3 on the roster? Or do you still think they're going to roll with two running backs again this year when they go in? Yeah, I just think with that position there, it, it's rare that you, well, not rare, like the third running back normally plays 10% of snaps. But the, the question becomes, would you rather a third running back on the 53 as opposed to using those, you know, six game day elevations on two practice squad guys, whether it's Lou Nichols and Patrick Taylor, Patrick Taylor and Tyler Goodson, whatever. Um, And in my 53, it came down to, I think it was Patrick Taylor and Tariq Carpenter for the last roster spot. And I thought, you know, Carpenter can provide some depth at safety. He's playing middle linebacker. Now he's a good tackler on special teams you'd rather use the 53 spot on that guy yeah. who can provide some versatility instead of a running back who's going to come in for a couple snaps a game and pass block. Yeah. You know, Tyler Goodson, he obviously caught well in, in college, but there's a reason he hasn't, you know, become a contributor at this level yet. Patrick Taylor, we saw why he was on the 53 there was no better instance than that bomb to Mercedes Lewis in the Dolphins game. Like that blitz pickup was one of the best blitz pickups I saw all season. And that endears you to the entire offense, the entire team, the entire coaching staff. And that's what you need out of a third running back. Patrick Taylor is not going to be getting, you know, first and goal carries or fourth and goal carries. He's going to be in there for pass blocking and a decoy. So, is there value in it? Yeah, but I think with the new roster rules, there's ways around it, and I, I that's why I, I think they only keep two again. All right, we're going to go uh, off the board and not do any Packers questions for the last one, but what are you what are you watching right now? Like, what are you streaming? Like, what's your, your binge show right now? And then the other question I have is when you're in Green Bay, like what's your go-to Uber Eats, Grubhub, like okay. orders? Like what 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 do you go to? I'm watching this really scary show right now. Um, every night, actually, it takes me on a roller coaster of emotions, makes me depressed, sometimes <laughs> excited. It's uh, the New York Yankees game every night. That's <laughs> my viewing. 
you know, they throw they throw the twenty fourth perfect game in major league history, but it's a guy who got suspended eighty games the other year for domestic violence. So I'm conflicted about that. Ugh. And obviously I don't condone any of that. Um, but then they take two out of three from the Oakland A's, score double-digit runs in consecutive games. But then they go to St. Louis this weekend against one of the worst teams in baseball and lose two out of three and score one run in both those games. Like, I've never been more angry at a, at a Yankees team. I'm a diehard fan. I watch every game. I have their logo tattooed on my body, on my arm. And that's what I watch. I, I'm a YouTube guy. My friends will tell you I, I don't, you know, watch shows. My attention span is so short that – I really just watch whatever comes up on my YouTube. I'm not a big show well, guy. I'm not a movie guy. I'm not a series guy. But you can um, do three-hour Yankee games? Yeah. Okay. I like just, torturing myself. That's hey, why. I'm just, I'm just clarifying. There's no judgment here. And then my go-to uh, Uber Eats takeout. I, I really, as of late, uh, as of the past year, really just grocery shop just because it saves me an immense amount of money. But when I do take out... The guy behind the counter at Domino's in town is an athletic subscriber and always chats me up when I go in there. And I love Domino's. I'm a big pizza guy. I get jalapenos and or banana peppers and pepperoni, 14-inch hand-tossed crust. It's very cliche, but that's my go-to. Okay. I, I mean, I can't hate on it. Um, I've, I've had some issues with Domino's, so we're not really on the best terms right now. Okay. Um, the last time that I ordered the online ordering system was down. And so then I got transferred to a call center and their call center, I'm pretty positive was from India. And I had to explain pan pizza to them because mm. they, they did not understand that. And then my daughter wanted the, um, the lava cakes. So it's a three, three pack of lava cakes, whatever it is. And those yeah, are really good. I ended up with three orders of lava cakes, not just one. <laughs> and so I, I've been having issues with them. So they charge me about so forty-five. You're complaining you got nine lava cakes instead of three. That sounds like a you problem. That <laughs> sounds like something you shouldn't be complaining about. Matt, I cannot finish nine lava cakes, man. That's um, that's the you know, I, I'm on the market, and the ladies don't appreciate it if you down nine lava cakes. That's that's not something they want to know about. So. Sounds like you're scared of the grind if you can't finish nine lava cakes. <laughs> yeah. yeah well, this is a, this have this have is a me problem, one. not a Domino's problem. You guys are all right. I've you're been trying right. to think of a crazy story, and I thought of one, but I can't say it on air, so I'll share it after we finish recording. So I'm trying to think of a backup one right now. Okay, cool. It's over. Uh, the podcast <laughs> no, is done. No, it's not. We, I see we're still live. Nice try. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we all t- so you don't have a, a crazy story you can share? Not okay. right now. It's okay. You can you basically what what we'll do, kind of like what Dusty does every once in a while. We get a lot of questions from podcast people uh, on Twitter, and you can reply to the podcast tomorrow uh, to the tweet from Packaday Podcast if you come up with a story. How about that? Or since this episode's coming out Wednesday, if I think of one, I'll just record a video of myself saying it. <laughs> Send it to Dusty, and he can just splice it in the episode. Yeah, that sounds, guess what? If that I sounds just even better. It, that if sounds I just even better. It, what if people already, you know, viewed their six hundred tweets for the day and don't send? <laughs> <it>? <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. 
Well, that's going to do it, guys. That's all of our questions we have from Matt. We always love that he joins us, but uh, the way we end the the podcast is kind of always promoting things that we've got going on. And so we'll start with you, Matt. Anything that you want to talk about? Articles coming out, podcasts you're going to be joining, or weddings you're going to? (laughs) I literally have nothing going on. I don't take any PTO from the third week of July until the first week of June or the second week of third week of June. So I'm currently in the second week of like a four or five week mandatory PTO that I was ordered to take. So I'm literally not writing until a couple of days before training camp. So I have literally no stories that will be out in the next couple of weeks for anyone to read. So um, I have nothing to plug right now. Besides this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Is I that kind a of a good feeling though, when you don't have to do anything? Yeah, it is. You like to constantly have something to do. I I like to stay busy. Like for the next three days, I have absolutely nothing to do. So I'm like, what am I going to do with myself the next three days? I almost wish like, ooh, I need to like have a roster projection. And so that takes up an hour of my day. (laughs) That's sick to say, but like, (laughs) not true. I'd rather be thinking about the the third running back battle than just twiddling (laughs) my thumbs in my apartment. Dusty, what you got? I got a couple things. So today, when you're hearing this, I got the final piece of uh, my call sheet series over at Cheesehead TV. So this is the uh, low red zone. Packers averaged four plays per game in the low red zone this past year. So I've got four plays that worked for them. Stole a couple from other teams. So it'll be on Cheesehead today, uh, closing out that. I think that's an 11-part series. Um, I'm tired, so I'm I'm glad that that's done. Uh, And I'll figure out what I'm doing from there. And then I'm also working on um, something for somewhere else that's a... Uh, pony package stuff, looking at how teams around the league use pony package, what worked, and then kind of building a couple packages out of uh, things that you could do from there that kind of all play off each other. So it'll be out maybe this week. It depends on how everything goes this week. Maybe this You're week. You're just maybe making me sound like I don't do any work. You're making me sound lazy. <laughs> I don't really I welcome to our lives every week. On this show. <laughs> I don't really appreciate that. I'm sorry. I talk, I, I I talk sorry. about like things that could be, like, you know, mental health issues and things that are like just just check on yourself. And Dusty's like, I have 17 articles and 14 yeah, videos. My ment- my you should all health- check out. My mental health thing, Steve, should be I need to stop working until 2 a.m. to write this stuff because it ultimately does not matter. That's, yeah. that's where I'm more like a you issue, stuff. bud. Buddy. It's absolutely a me issue, yeah. <laughs> Sarah, what you got going? I don't have anything either. This is the time of the year where I just enjoy not having a bunch on my plate. Um, but hope everybody had a safe 4th of July and, um, you know, gonna have a good rest of the summer. I'm, I'm ready for the season start. This is always the worst time of the year for us because – we're just, we need anything and there's nothing. Uh, so Matt, thanks for joining us because this is always fun and it also gives Absolutely. us something to talk about. Yeah, I love coming on as always. And I'm waiting for that live red button to go off so I can <laughs> tell my story because um, I can't have this story be on air. So it's fair. Yeah. Well, this has been fun, guys. Cool, cool, cool. We're going to get rid of you all so we can hear Matt's cool story that you don't get to hear. Uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you follow everybody on Twitter at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher 4, at Matt Schneidman, at Steve Perhatch, and at Packaday Podcast. For as long as Twitter exists, who knows? We don't, <laughs> it could be gone soon. We don't know. We It'll don't be know. gone when we get off this podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. It could be. It could be. But thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. And as always, go Pack Go.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.